House of Loud. You see, we used to be pussweeds, but now we're metal. House. Really real. Oh. I'm living this year over metal endoskeleton. Loud. House of Loud. Talking metal and hard rock with Shane Alvarado and Jason Lee. House of Loud. Welcome to the House of Loud Heavy Metal Podcast. Welcome to our home. Shane Alberani and Jason Lee. What if up? you are new to the show, where have you been? We are a full, what, we're going to be episode number two. So. Yeah, we're 44 minutes into yeah, this so thing, man. Where, where have where you been? Where have you been? <laughs> 44 minutes. That's two episodes of Seinfeld we're into this thing. But anyway, Shane Alberani, a longtime voice of the Fort Wayne Comet hockey team here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Of course, uh, going back uh, a long way with heavy metal. That's why we're doing this show, because Jason and I just thought it would be fun, because we're just longtime metalheads. Uh, we're losing our hearing. Jason has been in radio uh, here in Fort Wayne for a long, long time, as long as I have as well. So we have been around. But we are talking about heavy metal and uh, everything we love about it. And uh, so if you you're a guy who could yell Slayer at an infant in a grocery store. You've come to the right place. So welcome to our house. Yes. <laughs> if you're screaming Slayer at kids, you are, well, you're probably a sociopath. You probably are, but still <laughs> kind of cool if you really right. think about you it. You know, 35 years ago, we would have been best buds. <laughs> but, you know, and speaking of that, you know, that's what's great about metal if you are anywhere and you see someone with a band that you love, you're immediately friends. You know, I yeah. have walked through casinos in Las Vegas with an Iron Maiden t-shirt and people will go, Maiden! And they'll throw up the horns, you know, and just totally random. Just, you know, and that's what's great about this is the only genre of music where that happens. You're a tribe. Right. You're not walking down the road here. People go, Celine Dion! <laughs> you just don't hear that. Again, that'd be cool if you did. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they got these new shirts. However, now. Taylor Swift. I don't know if I would want to go into a, a Taylor Swift show. They seem to be awful. Uh, uh, she a is, gang right now. She is definitely the queen. Yeah. I mean, that has nothing to do with metal, but I mean, but if we're, still, go, we're just talking. The, the, the fact that there's no nobody who has fans better than her. You know what I mean? Metallica. I'll bet Metallica's fans are rabid. I've been to some Metallica shows. Those people are nuts. But again, we'll get into this later. But I'm gonna reference this when we're talking about fans. Metallica is one of those bands where, again, it doesn't matter if they put something out, they're still good. fans are going to be still upset. I'm like, are you a fan of this band or not? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Just be thankful you're getting another Metallica record. So, anywho, all right, that's my first one little rant here of the <laughs> night. And again, this show again, we'll go back and we are, we'll talk about you know our favorite bands, but it's you know it's we're not really going to complain about things. You like what you like, you dislike what you dislike, and this again, it's about us metalheads and just our connection with the music. And uh, this episode, we're going back and uh, <clears throat> picking up our origin stories because we have got uh, it goes well, it goes back forty years here. I guess we're talking. Jeez, it's hard to believe we pretty can close. Say that. Pretty uh, close. You know, you know, you know what? It's hard. You know, I said one day, oh, I'm middle-aged. And someone said, you're going to live to be 98? I'm like, wow, I can't even say I'm middle-aged anymore. Right? It's awful sad. But <laughs> I hope to live to 98, as long as it's living and not just you know, yeah. existing. Yeah. You know, we're going to be rocking. We're going to be wheezing. throwing up the horns and we're going to be... Uh, wait, wait, 35 years from now, what the um, uh, fear, uh, what the uh, funeral homes... <laughs> what the, uh, the, the, the homes are going to be like for the old people. You're going to be like, you know, play me some, you know... Slipknot, right? <laughs> Come on, I want to, I want to, I want to feel alive. You know, don't be playing me that weren't. Uh, we have a circle pit with the wheelchairs, stuff. right? That would be awesome. That'd be <laughs> straight up metal, man. Right? Straight up metal. 
<laughs> I've seen some people do some crazy things in wheelchairs at concerts. Well, I and, saw and do like like crowd surfing. Yeah. In, oh yeah. In, in their chair. Yeah. I don't know how you think that that's a safe situation. I don't know how that's a deal. <laughs> I don't know how you cross that threshold. I guess if maybe you've lost both your legs in a train accident, you're like, eh, how bad can it hurt to get dropped on my head? But you know, it's it's crazy. I've also seen people with with missing limbs, you know, leg holding their leg in the air while they crowd surf. You know, that stuff is wild. You know who I'm talking about, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, going back to our origins, I think we left off about 1986, 87 in that area. So we, uh, Jason and I, are becoming teenagers. We're getting hair in funny places and things are happening. So we're getting into uh, MTV. We're getting into the hair band era, you know, which I, you were not a big fan of, right? You, I mean, obviously, oh, no, like I Poison, was, that was, was, you did I, not like I, that. I, 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 lo- yeah. I love Cinderella. I love Bon Jovi. I love Motley Crue. I just didn't like the look. Yeah. I couldn't look like that. I could not bring myself to look sure. like that. It just wasn't my gig. You know what I mean? Uh, I wanted to look more, even with the long hair and the earrings, I still wanted to look masculine. And I felt that Poison, of all bands, you know, Poison and 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 um, Pretty Boy Floyd, those kind of bands, they yeah. were just, the look was irritating. And that's coming from a guy who at one time, when I was 13, my entire wall was a shrine to Cinderella. Talk about a bunch of pretty boys, <laughs> right? I mean, just a shrine. I love night songs. I wore that tape out, man. Wore it out. I loved that cassette. That was my first true really? obsession as far as bands go with Cinderella. Now, my first, uh, now we're talking obsession. Now, again, my first favorite band was probably Def Leppard. But my obsession probably was when Appetite for Destruction dropped. Oh, it man. was that, that summer. It was Appetite and it was Hysteria by Def Leppard. But I remember my uh, my best friend Steve Vents uh, turned me on to Guns N' Roses initially in eighth grade, and that carried into really, really the next two years because those two records is what you heard for the next two years. So I remember that summer, it was summer of '88 or summer of '89 in that area. And I remember we took a family vacation to Nashville. So very anti-metal, obviously, but again, if you're into music, which I, I loved all genres of music, so uh, still going to the Country Music Hall of Fame and seeing the Ryman Auditorium was still pretty cool to me, uh, but I remember going to a, a t-shirt shop there somewhere in Nashville, and they had the Hysteria t-shirt that Joe Elliott wore in the Pour Some Sugar on Me video, and they also had the classic, it was the first, you, this is the only GNR t shirt you could find. It was just the, the logo, cross. and GNR was here on the back. Yeah, so I, I that. bought those two t shirts, and I think that entire the rest of that summer, I, I know this isn't true, but it just felt like I just rotated the two t shirts for the entire summer. <laughs> that sounds like summer of '88. That was when the, yeah. the Guns N' Roses was really exploding. <laughs> yeah, I, I had um, the Thanksgiving weekend of 1987. I had gotten a copy of Appetite for Destruction. A friend of mine's older brother played Out to Get Me. Oh, and I was immediately fascinated and I got that record that, that, that day we went out and I got that album, that tape. I don't remember. I got like three or four tapes a day. I don't remember the other three. I remember appetite and I spent eight, nine months trying to get all my friends to listen to them and nobody gave a damn. Really? Nobody cared until it happened when everybody was into them. And then everybody's like, man, guns and roses. Like, Hey, I spent the last eight months. Yeah. Last eight months trying to get you to like them. And I was late to the game. I mean, November of 87, it had been out for like six months already. Yeah. yeah. So I was even late to the game, I thought. Yeah. And, and when it blew up in 88, I knew that Guns N' Roses was no longer my band when my mother turned up Sweet Child of Mine when it came on the radio. Turned it up. I'm like, oh, no. 
No, no. No, we cannot like the same stuff here. No, 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 no. I, I'm 14. That's not cool. Now that, that brings up another, we're going opposite direction here. But one of the, the last bands that I was really wowed with when they came out, this is, we're going kind of recent here, was Shinedown. And I absolutely loved them. So this was 2000, 2001, whatever that was. Oh, no, it was like 2003. And my daughter was only three years old. And I remember listening to, that was like the first time I remember listening to a band just over and over again. It was like I almost had gone back to the 80s where I would just play something over and over again. Just love that first record. And now my daughter is 22 and Shinedown is her favorite band. And it's almost like I can't listen to them. It's my daughter's band. Because <laughs> I had gone to see them, you know, those first two tours, wonderful. And then my then my daughter now who loves them, she will she'll drive around, she'll go to them. You know, they played here in Fort Wayne not that long ago. And I couldn't bring myself to go to the show because my daughter was going. It's like that's that's her music. Well, you it's still could have gone. You just didn't need to be with her. Right, like, right. And I wouldn't and have her hand or anything like that. I wouldn't that. have, but again, it just felt that way. It's like I've all right, I've I've surrendered that. And I don't, it's the weirdest thing. I don't know why. I don't know why. But it's the same kind of thing just in reverse there. You know, it's back to the Guns N' Roses thing. Yeah. Um, the summer of 88 when it was blowing up and everybody had Guns N' Roses everywhere. I had, I, do you remember the tapestries that you used to be able to buy at the festivals yes. and stuff? Yeah. They were like four foot by four yeah. foot. And I had an entire wall that was that in the middle yeah. of the wall surrounded by posters of other bands. But that Guns N' Roses tapestry was like my pride at that yeah. point in my life. And I had one of those cheesy... Uh, wicker hats? Is it a wicker hat? Remember those wicker ball? They yeah, looked yeah. like uh, they looked like a uh, cowboy hats, and they all had a strip of bandana strip on them. Yeah, and I had a Guns N' Roses one, and I would you know I'd wear the Guns N' Roses like you said. Yeah, like GNR was here. Yeah, you know with that thing that cowboy hat. What? Why? <laughs> why was I wearing a freaking cowboy hat that was made of wicker? What is that about? Yeah, I could not have no pulled that, that off either. Cool. No, nobody could. <laughs> I don't care who you were. No way. Axel Rose couldn't have turned, pulled that off, right? You just think, like, man, why, why are you wearing a wicker hat, man? But I, I remember when they finally came out with new music, when Patience was released, it was like, you know, it was the MTV World Video premiere. And I remember me and my friend Steve on the phone with each other, watching them. It's like, <laughs> no. it's coming at 8 o'clock tonight. We're on the phone together, and we're watching the video together. Did you do like th- triple call? Did you have somebody else in there? You know, no, it was just us two. It was just us two. But I remember the lead up to that. It was like, finally, we're gonna we're not gonna hear "Welcome to the Jungle" for the thousandth time. You know, how disappointed were you with Patience? It was just it was different. I but again, was but again, you're, you're a fan of the band. We didn't care. It was New Guns and Roses. I was fine. Crushed. It's a ballad. I I don't remember having any type of reaction other than it was a New Guns and Roses song. I, I when I got the tape, I was definitely the live side. Yes, definitely yes. the live side. Yeah, which was not live. Just so you know, it's called Live Like a Suicide. It was not a live record. It, it, it's it's just you know imaging. You know at yeah. that point, yeah. you know like um, uh, Aerosmith's um, Train Kept a Rolling, not a live track. Do you know the story behind that? I do not. Um, it was recorded in studio, and Jack Douglas, the direct, uh, their their producer, wanted it to sound live. So he stole a bunch of sound effects, yeah. some audience sound effects from the concert for Bangladesh by George Harrison. Really? Yeah. Oh. So all that sound yeah. you hear back there was on the uh, concert for Bangladesh <laughs> from George <laughs> wow. Harrison. Wow. Yeah, and he just wanted it to sound live. Yeah. And it does. Yeah. It sounds immediate. Oh yeah, it? that's it sounds. And, and there's a lot of Benny and the Jets. I mean, Kiss Alive. I don't think was all that alive. I don't. I doubt any of that was live. <laughs> right. Right. I guarantee the only yeah. thing live there was the audience. <laughs> Everything else was, we're going to hit the studio and re-record all of this stuff. Yeah. You know, they, 
they, we're going to get rid of the, the the pimples, as it were. But again, right? Hey, you, still, we still love those records, even oh if God. it's not or not. It's, Alive it's still, Two is yeah. genius. Yeah, that record is amazing. Alive was great. Alive Two was just something else, man. That set the bar. But do you remember the first? Well, we'll get into this also in another show. But when you a band that you love to listen to, then you saw them live and you were disappointed. Um, I'm glad I didn't see Motley Crue in the 80s. Yeah, because, I've, I've heard story. I have heard many, many of stories. You know, we, we've got a mutual friend yes. uh, who went and <laughs> saw them in 1985 because they were his favorite band in the world. And they came on stage, destroyed his childhood. He went home and that night tore every poster off his wall. Really? Yes. Yeah. That night. Yeah. I'm done. Can't do it. <laughs> and he was he was uh, he was heartbroken, and I don't blame him because in 1985 there was nobody bigger than Motley yeah. Crue. The only band, well, I can't say the only band that outsold them. There were some bands that outsold Motley Crue, but the biggest seller in all that scene would have been Def Leppard, hands down. Right, nobody could touch them. Right, but the most influential, the most important, Motley Crue. Period. Everybody chased their yeah. when they did something. Everybody else did it. Yeah. Period. The whole 80s, it was Motley Crue. We got to follow Motley Crue. Yeah. Def Leppard sold more records because they just, they played Def Leppard music. They didn't follow anybody's trends. Yeah. They did their own thing. Um, but as far as the scene, definitely Motley Crue. And and going back a little further, every, every single band in that scene, in my mind, every single band in the 80s, just screaming. They might as well, every lyric might as well have been, <laughs> we want to be Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> Every step, we want to be Van Halen. Listen to our guitar player. Listen to how terrible our singer is. You know, look at how pretty we are. You know, you know, we drink a lot. You know, everybody wanted to be yeah. Van Halen. And who could blame them? Right. I mean, oh, honestly, yeah. I mean, 1978, the first Van Halen. It's just stupid how ahead of the game that, yeah. that album is. Yeah. Well, going back to the next obsession for me, and I, we're now we're just talking obsessions, uh, because Appetite was the Guns N' Roses, and that morphed into Tesla. The first time I heard Tesla, um, the, the great radio controversy, which is their second one, was I, I we talked about wearing out tapes. That was probably the first tape I wore out. I mean, I listened to that thing nonstop around the clock. I had a Tesla T-shirt that by the time I finally got rid of it, I'm pretty sure you could see through it. I mean, but was it the cover of the album? Yes. Yeah, I know yeah. that. It's a white shirt, right? No, actually, it was a black it was shirt. A black it was shirt. a black okay. shirt. Yeah. And, but I remember just absolutely loving that one along with Skid Row as well. I think that, that summer, I think that was probably 89. 89. So that mm-hmm. summer, that summer of 89 was Skid Row and Tesla. And I just went bananas for both of those bands, but especially Tesla. And we talked about in the first episode that, you know, Cinderella kind of maybe unfairly became a hair metal band. They had the look, but Tesla didn't even have that look. And they unfortunately died by the way of hair metal because they were just in that time when they were just a rock band. Frank Hannon and Tom's coach. Uh, uh, underrated players. Man, just yeah. shredding. Just listen yeah. to the opening of uh, um, um, Easy Come, Easy Go. Yeah. Man. Again, we want to be Van Halen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Frank Hannon definitely was, you know, one of those, yeah. uh, you know, everybody was a, a, uh, a student of Eddie Van Halen in the right. 80s. If you were in the metal scene, you wanted to play. You wanted to play finger picking. You wanted to play yeah. arpeggios. You know what I mean. You wanted to do that kind but of. But I stuff. remember the, the bass line to to uh, hang tough. That oh, was yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the one that I still you know. Brian Wheat, man, yeah, underrated. Yeah, yeah and Brian Wheat. If you get a chance 
to get uh, read his autobiography. It's also it's really interesting. Uh, I've read it, and uh, what and again, when you get these these great books, you learn so much stuff. They're like, wow, I did not know that, or that's really interesting. That Tesla that wasn't their name. The record company gave it to him. They I did had, not know that. They had a band name. It was something, but it sounded very bar bandish, and they didn't think it was big. So it was literally Tesla. I'm like, they were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, there was a band. Uh, do you remember Tora Tora? Yeah. Uh, Walk and yeah. Shoes was their hit. Yeah. Um, I saw them on, um, I don't even know what show it was. might have been the Hard 30, right? When they had that 30-minute, every yeah. day they would show like six videos every afternoon yeah. for uh, those of us that got home from school about 4 o'clock, watch 30 <laughs> minutes of heavy metal videos. And by heavy metal, I mean the radio metal. Yeah. Um, and Tora Tora was on there talking with whoever was hosting. Was it, was it Adam at that point? Uh, the, he, the, well, he took over Headbanger. He started Head, well, started dude, what Headbanger's What was Adam's last ball. name? Curry, Adam Curry. Adam Curry. I think he may have been hosting the Hard 32. Yeah. Um, but they were on there and they were talking about um, how they got the name Tora Tora. And they said, well, our first name was Free Beer because we assumed that people would <laughs> love to come see a band yeah. called Free Beer. It lasted one gig because they put on the marquee, <laughs> Free, free Beer Tonight. And there was, and this is, they, they're from, I believe, Nashville or Memphis, one of those yeah. cities in Tennessee. There was almost a riot. Because everybody that walked in the door did not give a damn about this band they yeah. never heard. They came for the free beer, not for a band called Free Beer. So let that be a lesson. Don't call yourself something clever that you think is going to get attention if it's not going to, unless yeah. it's not going to get you shot. Yeah. I imagine they probably were afraid for their lives. You know, <laughs> it's crazy oh. where names come from, you know? Yeah. The Tesla was, was, uh, was that, was the neck obsession. And that led me into my first. Thrash obsession with this anthrax, and it's still to this day. It's still my obsession. And well, they're definitely the user friendly thrash band, absolutely, especially the big four. Uh, I mean, well, they they didn't take themselves too seriously, and that's why I fell in love with anthrax. Because when I was in middle school, when Metallica and Megadeth started to hit, well, I'm like in sixth grade, and the eighth graders with their denim jackets and their patch of, of Master Puppets on the back. They were a little scary to me, you know. I mean, they're they're a foot taller than me, and you know, and, and twenty pounds heavier. So I, that also was kind of like I why I never kind of got into any type of thrash until Anthrax came along. Like you said, user friendly. In nineteen eighty six, um, I got my first influence of Megadeth, Slayer, Metallica. I wasn't ready for it. I had a friend's older brother. He and his best friend were big time into that, and they would. I remember Scott locking me in his room and blocking it. He goes, you're going to hear this. You know, I'm tired of hearing you talk about Bon Jovi. Listen to this. And he put on Metal Church. And I'm like, oh, I don't get it. And he goes, you're going to hear this. And he put on Angel of Death from Slayer. You're going to hear this. And I, I just didn't get it, man. I didn't yeah. get it. Two years later, it's all I could deal with. Right. right? That's right. all I could do is to listen to that. Right. But in 1986, man, give me Bon Jovi in 1986. So yeah. I wasn't ready for, you know, Fight fire with fire, or angel of death, or or you know peace cells. I just wasn't ready for right, it. Right, not at all. If they had tried Anthrax, I bet that would have worked. I'm serious. If <laughs> yeah. they had played you know something off of Among the Living, I bet I would have yeah. been okay with it. Just because Joey's a different type of singer. Yeah, and that would have been a lot yeah. easier for me to stomach. And then you know Slayer was man. Slayer yeah. was that, that was well, well. I that remember was the sound of a car crash. Right, in my mind. right. And I remember the, the video for Rain and Blood was something was like. Oh, I, I never want to go to this kind of concert or this kind of show because well, it was alive. It was, in, they yeah. didn't have any videos in the '80s, did they? They had Rain and Blood. That was the only one. And I remember, yeah, I don't remember it's that. It's a lot. It's a it's a it's a live show. It's a live oh. show, and they show oh, the okay. whole performance oh, live. Oh, I got you. Okay, yeah, I got you. Got you. you know? Okay, 
and Kerry King, I think, had the spikes on yep. his arm. And it's like, okay, this is a little, little again, frightening for me. But, uh, but yeah, so I didn't get into Slayer till till much later. But Anthrax was was the thing. But, but how did like just how you are going through life at this point really shaping how why are you getting into this metal? Because I had a a, a moment where I got it. You know, uh, when I was fourteen, a friend of mine uh, who was big time and he was into the thrashier stuff yeah and he made me a cassette on one side was master puppets and on the other side was who the hell knows i don't remember because i never flipped it over <laughs> i just rewound it <laughs> and um what's great is that i i loved it i really did i mean and and uh this would have been early 88 early like january right around christmas time yeah. 87 88 yeah. and he made me this tape and immediately like i don't know how a year and a, uh what would that a year and a half earlier how I couldn't have possibly liked it because right. I loved it so much out yeah. of the gate. I was like, what? How's that even possible? And uh, what's funny is about six months later, I finally got around to getting Master of Puppets. And I realized there's eight songs on this tape. I never, ever heard Damage Incorporated yeah. until six months later. I Because it cut off in the middle of Orion. I never uh, got to hear uh, the right, entire song right. of Orion because of the cassette that I had is 45 minutes. And the album itself is like 56 or yeah. something like that. So I lost, I missed the last song in the last half of the uh, Orion. So um, that was really what opened. Metallica was that the band that really did for most people. That's the band that ushered in thrash for me. Yeah. And after that, I just, everything, giving me everything heavy, everything yeah. heavy, everything heavy. But was there, like for me, like the moment was, well, again, a life-changing moment. I went, my parents decided to send me to a Catholic high school. Okay. So I'm into hair metal. I'm, you know, whatever is on the radio and all that good stuff. So I never really kind of understood it. So I think that was part of it, the darkness of it and everything like that. So I go to this, this Catholic high school and I was, I was never the popular kid in middle school, but I wasn't an outcast by any means. I had lots of friends, but here I am going into this new environment with no, I don't know. I don't know anybody. I don't have any friends. I'm isolated. I'm actually kind of picked on a little bit. Um, so it was at that point where I get it now i kind of get that you know the 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 darkness of of it all and not even quite getting lyrically but i mean kind of understanding the aggression and kind of where you are at that at that level and i remember my freshman year i actually befriended a a kid named tony novak who again came in from a public school kind of didn't know anybody we both didn't know and we bonded over metal and he was into the metallica and slayer and stuff like that so he kind of molded that a little bit he got kind of got me into metallica a little bit and unfortunately that that next summer he actually was hit by a car and he passed away yeah so that was so that those moments kind of right there kind of got me into it it's like all right i get it i understand why the outcasts now dig this music and now i'm suddenly the outcast it's like I I'm all in, you know, just like that. And also that freshman year, my, my friend, my best friend, Steve Benson, his brother, Mike, who, you know, and I, I, again, I, I give them a lot of credit for getting me into this music because they were into it before I was, and they would make me a mixtape and they made me this one mixtape. And I remember it had anthrax. I'm the man on it. It uh, had grim reaper on it. It had Ingve on it. It had newer deep purple, whatever they were doing. And it also, the second side was basically, Halloween by Halloween game changing oh. moment. And we'll talk about that uh, in another episode, but I mean, what an eclectic kind of group you had power metal, you had thrash metal, you, you had a classic me- a band in there as well. And I remember I played that. I think I maybe played that mixtape more than any other tape that I had 
I mean, because I just, it, it was different and it was such a, a different mix. And that's what got me into Anthrax. So right about that time, I wasn't uh, into Among the Living. It was State of Euphoria that got it me got me going and I know the band itself don't really like that record which I don't understand but <laughs> but I that was it. the one you know they started playing antisocial which I was I don't know how many years ago I figured out that that was a cover song <laughs> but they you didn't started, know it was a cover I didn't know until years later I didn't know until just last week when you informed me <laughs> that it was a cover of a French song it's a French yes. song I didn't know that yeah, but I knew can, it was a cover you can find the French version of that they have a French version yeah. I've got the 30th anniversary yeah. of Sadie Euphoria yeah. and it's got a a French yeah. lyric version where Joey's singing in French, <laughs> which is really weird hearing Joe, Joey Belladonna yeah. singing in, in French. But that was uh, that was then they show that video over and over again, coupled with I'm the Man. And I'm like, you had that aggression punk vibe with it, and you had the, the, the playfulness of I'm the Man, which was an EP, not on that record. But I remember Steve got a copy. He bought a, a cassette of State of Euphoria, and I still have it. <laughs> so I never gave do, it back. Do you still have your hologram I, sticker? I, uh, Dude, hologram- no, it wasn't. Uh, again, I stole it from my oh, friend Steve. Oh, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I still have not given it back Every to Every one him. of us w- w- took that <laughs> sticker, which was rad, and stuck it on something like a Full, you know, who knows? Like a, yeah. like a like a trapper keeper or something, yeah. right? And just ruined it. Yeah. Um. Uh. I had my CD for State of Euphoria. I took the sticker and put it right in the middle of the cover. Oh. And just well, at that time, <laughs> yeah. I had never seen a clear jewel case. Right. So there was no way I was yeah. going to put it underneath the jewel yeah. case where I couldn't see it because I'd never seen a clear one. So I just put it on the front cover and like, oh man, now I look at it and I'm like, what an idiot. And that was the first cassette that was also remember was clear. The cassette itself, it was. It wasn't the white, you know, that mm-hmm. you always knew, you know. And I remember I had, it was real easy. I handled it so much. The the song list was cover was you didn't know it was I only knew because I had rubbed off everything. That was the only reason I knew it was State of Euphoria. Whenever I saw the uh, anything that was clear like that and, and completely empty, I always assumed it was Injustice for All. Because <laughs> it was like they had an invisible ink on it. And I did that and too. It was crazy. And I did for for Injustice for All I did the same thing. We all did. Yeah. No, 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 no. Everybody but me did. And then I had my immaculate, beautiful cassette that I loaned to somebody, and I got it back the next, like, four days later. Hey, where's the lettering? I know what he did is he borrowed mine so he could give me his piece of crap. That's what he did. He stole it from me, but I couldn't prove it. You know, I couldn't prove it, but I know that's what happened. Yeah. And then he went and wrecked it, I'm sure, because obviously he was just tossing it in a box kind of guy. I was handling it with kid gloves, right? Kind of a dude. I was, you know, that kind of guy. I was never the dude that was going to use a pencil to erase, to to spin a tape. Oh. Because what if you you put too much tension and break it? Nope, not me. Or stretch it out, you know. You get those tapes that get stretched down, and you know, because you'd be you get you'd have a bad cassette player, and it would stretch it or something. I had, I want to say it was a rat uh, cassette. Yeah, because it was, it was. I want a woman was on it. I love that song, and uh, I remember the tape ate it. And I don't know how I did this. I somehow rethreaded it, re- did everything, and somehow I put it. It was backwards. I, I, I still to this day don't know how I did it. And I would put it in my cassette, my, 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 and it was like back, it was backwards. Well, you, I, I know that you listened to it all the way through backwards because you wanted to hear if there was back masking, right? Yeah, no, I wasn't. It was totally, it, it was no, it was nonsense. No, it was nonsense. Yeah. It was nonsense. But it was, but it was just funny. I don't know. I was like, I don't know how I did that, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember that. <laughs> I always remember getting the cheap cassettes that had the, the screws putting them together. Yeah. I was like, what is that? Yeah. Because, you know, that, that just looked cheap. It just looked cheap. You know, give me a, what something that looks like a solid tape. Yeah. 
You know, uh, I I miss my cassettes. They all got stolen from me. That was the day I decided to put a CD player in my car. Yeah, I still have them all in a box somewhere. But I don't own a cassette anymore. <laughs> now, I had 120 of them in my car, yeah. uh, but the back hatch on my Omni didn't lock. And if you close the door, the back hatch would it would hop. And I think somebody saw it, just climbed in my car, took my tapes. It's a sad thing, Jason. It is it's a sad, and, and it's a sad especially story. since I know they were driving down the road going Metallica, poop, you know, and your Guns and Roses, poop, right? You know, Megadeth, poop, you know, King Diamond, poop, you know. They're, they're not keeping that. I, I wouldn't assume. Yeah, I would, you know, and it's not like they're getting money for cassettes. And maybe this these days, if you were to have a cassette that was still in its plastic from 1988, what oh, would sure. that thing be worth? Yeah. I mean, because cassettes are making a comeback. Yeah. Everything will. That's why I'm going to hold on to my CDs until they're worth something, Shane. Because right now they're not worth jack. They're just, they're just worth- And you wonder why us Generation X folks are in kind of always grumpy, because we started with records, we had to replace them with cassettes, then we got CDs, and then MP3s, and now we just bought records last week. Right. It's, <laughs> it's, it's what like, the hell? How many times do I have to buy Back in Black, really? Well, well, why do you think Eagle's Greatest Hits has sold so many records? Because of the cassette. Yeah, right. The, oh, yeah. You know, it's one of the best-selling albums ever. I think it might have surpassed yeah. Thriller yeah. as the, the biggest-selling album in America. And I think it was, it was Steppenwolf, um, John... John Kay. Thank you, John Kay. Um, when they split up, you know, he wanted the publishing rights. And the rest of the band were like, you can have those. We want the name so we can keep on playing live. That's where the money was. But he oh. had the foresight, you know, this is, no, the name is more important because of what happened. Because cassettes, CDs, and, and then yeah, John Kay probably did things. pretty good. And no one is going to see Steppenwolf live without John Kay. Nope, John Kay and Steppenwolf. The, the one time I saw them live yeah. was John Kay and Steppenwolf. Right, right, right. So, it was just a bunch of dudes he hired. Who knows who was there? You know, it wasn't, uh, you know. It wasn't anybody from the original band, I'll tell you that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah, uh, that's why us uh, Gen Xers are in bad moods a lot of time, because we think about, I think about that all the time. <laughs> yep. Yep. I've got uh, too many CDs that are worth pennies on the dollar at best. You would have to pay somebody to take your CDs these days. That's where it's at. Because, yeah. you know, younger people look at it and go, why would I want that when this is worth one one hundredth of a percent of what I've got on my phone? <laughs> right. Why would I do that? And they're like, well, I'm too far in. I can't stop. <laughs> I, I, I just, I keep buying CDs on eBay, you know, classic stuff from the eighties, yeah. stuff that you, that's out of print, you know, stuff yeah. that I've, I've wanted and I'll end up paying $35 for a CD that I know, oh. I know is worth three bucks. Probably. That's hard. That's right. Hard. <laughs> but I can't stop. I can't stop. You know, I'm like, well, I got everything but this one CD from this band. Yeah. I got 16 CDs. I need this one. I got to fill out my collection. I'll pay whatever they're asking. You know, I, the Anthrax uh, Among the Living uh, three disc set. Yeah. I ended up paying 90 freaking dollars for that thing because it's it, they printed it once, 30th anniversary in 2016. Yeah. And then it was gone. And the people that bought it are holding on to it. They never reprinted it. And every, oh, oh, you want Oid of Nikafussin? You want the video? <laughs> You're going to have to pay me 90 bucks, buddy, because I had never seen it. I had never seen yeah. that video in high school. I didn't have it. So the first time I ever saw it was as an adult. A year and a half ago, it sounds terrible. <laughs> it's, it's not worth the money I paid. See, I can't bring myself to do that. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm, I just trash CDs. I trash because every any type of. So when when MP3s and all that stuff came along, I was a huge fan because I can't destroy this. That's true. That's true. I was um I was all about some Napster in 1999, and I remember it taking a day 
to download a song. 14.4 dial up. And if, if my phone rang, it would kick me off. If their phone rang, it would kick them off. And then what would happen is you would have this song that was technically one song, but it was taken from seven, eight, nine, ten different computers that all had different parameters. Yeah. So you'd have a song and it would obviously be different takes. It would just sound horrible. But I was the first song I ever downloaded, Detachable Penis by King Missile. <laughs> And I felt like a god. This free song I just downloaded into my computer. Are you kidding me? I still have a CD to this day that I burned on my CD really? on my computer. It's called <laughs> Nothing But Napster. And it's about 16 songs. My first 16 songs I had ever downloaded off of Napster. And it's a bunch of eclectic garbage, wow. right? Nothing that's worth yeah. listening to. But yeah. it was like, you know, yeah. I still have it. <laughs> I haven't listened to it in 20 years. Oh Well, going back to the bands we loved and then back in those days in the, in the 90s, uh, so I think by the time I, because Justice for All was my first Metallica that I got into. I remember a friend of mine well, going over his house. He's playing basketball. He's listening to it outside. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's the new Metallica. And I was like, wow. And then, of course, that coincided with their first video. Yep. So now I'm on board. They're on MTV. So in my mind, they're now legit. And I remember going out and buying Justice for All on cassette. And this was like. I don't know, a really cool metal moment. I'm playing it on my stereo. I had, you know, the cheapy Sears Robeck stereo, whatever it was, the, whatever it was called, a Sanyo or whatever it was. Right. You know? <laughs> and I remember playing, playing it. And I remember my, the play button snapped like in the middle. I'm not, not sure what song it was, but I remember it snapped and broke my stereo. I'm like, this cassette just broke my stereo. How metal that is, awesome. is that? That is awesome. <laughs> actually broke it. The greatest tape ever. <laughs> the greatest tape ever. I remember listening to, um, I would. Li- that was my go-to uh, yard work tape was Justice. Justice for All. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'd it's put still, that in. I, honestly, I would probably say it's my favorite. It, it really is my favorite. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I see nothing yeah. wrong with that. My, my personal favorite yeah. Metallica would be uh, pu- Puppets, but, you know, whatever. They're all good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's a whole whole other episode. We can get into that, but but this is where I feel like I I got out of metal. Actually, right when I think I should have been getting into it, I actually was getting out of it because in '91, what happened? What what came out? It was Nirvana. It was Pearl Jam, and suddenly that the Metallicas and the Megadeths weren't really because again. Lyrically, they were still kind of out there. It was stuff that I really couldn't, I could relate to the aggression and kind of the darkness of, of it all. But I had fun, suddenly, suddenly had found uh, Pearl Jam, and that first Pearl Jam record hit me right between the eyes. Uh, yeah, I, I do remember that. I remember in 91, that was also when Skid Row's Slate of the Grind came yeah. out. And that, for me, there's a big story for that that's always going to be a special place in my heart. I will never get rid of my Slave to the Grind, no matter what. Me neither. Because, I still have mine. Well, yeah. mine is, I lived in uh, Broward County, Florida. Yeah. And I moved there the year after the whole Two Life Crew thing happened. Yeah. And Sheriff Navarro was a tyrant. And he laid down the law. Nobody under the age of 18 can buy anything with a parental advisory sticker on it. Period. You will get arrested and your store will get fined, maybe even closed. So nobody was playing that game. So I didn't know this. I was living on my own at 17 down in Fort Lauderdale, and I was like, it's the day. Slave to the grind. Can't wait. <laughs> I went to the store, and I walked up, and it was Peaches, uh, Peaches Record Store. And I walked up, and I'm in, the, in line, and I walk up. I set it down. He goes, bloop. All right, that's going to be however much money. And uh, he goes, I'm going to need to see your ID. I'm like, all right, whatever. And I gave my ID. He goes, 
I can't say this. What do you mean you can't sell this to me? Why not? He goes, you're not 18. What? He goes, it's got a parental advisory sticker. We're not allowed by by Broward County yeah. law to sell this to you. What? Why not? It's it, It's got a parental advisory sticker. Is it because it has the word on it? Because I'm saying fuck right fucking now. Sell me the fucking CD. And the woman behind me uh, in line went, yeah, sell me the fucking CD. And he goes, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. So I went to five more stores that night. Five. Nobody was playing. So I ended up having the next day, my friend Scott Horner, I went with him to that same Peaches. And I waited outside like he was buying me a six pack. And I waited for him to give me that CD. And so it's a special thing for me. I will never get rid of that Slate of the Grind CD because it's, you know, it's sticking it to the man at that yeah. point. You know, I'm, you know I, I was paying my own bills. Right? I, had, I had an electric bill in my name. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't buy this CD. What are you talking about? <laughs> you, know, have your, you know, have your mom buy it for you. Well, she's 1,300 miles away. Yeah. There's nothing I can do about that. What I remember about that record, I loved it. I, I played it again. One of those things I think I obsessed up over that summer, and uh, I, I remember they were coming to Fort Wayne, and uh, Pantera was opening for them. Not really, didn't know much. I, I had some friends who kind of knew Pantera. I really didn't know a whole lot about them at that point. Um, but I, of course, would love to have seen Skid Row. But it turns out it was the night of my senior prom. And I'm like, I'm going to miss this because of my senior prom. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, who was not so much a metalhead, she got me into Nine Inch Nails and Ministry. That was kind of her All right. thing. But she knew Pantera. She actually liked Pantera. And it was bantied about, we can go see Pantera and still make it to the prom. It's right across the street. Oh, really? <laughs> but we we didn't. We just we went to the From prom. what I've understood, because I didn't get to, uh, <laughs> I, I was living on my own then, and I was making $4 an hour, and our rent was $702 a month at this time, which is an extraordinary amount of money in 1991. Yeah. Uh, um, 92, 91, 92. And I just couldn't afford to go. I just couldn't. And uh, from what I, uh, everybody says, if you left after Pantera, that was fine. I hear that they destroyed Skid Row. I'm sure they probably they did. They became yeah. stars and from that, that tour yeah. because Skid Row was the big band. They yeah. were bringing all the people. Yeah. And then Pantera came out, blew the roof off the place, and then Skid Row came out, and they sang, I, I remember you. And people are like, eh. Right. You know, like, eh. Right. And, and, and I guess Pantera was louder. They were tighter. They were meaner. And Skid Row were on Slave the Grind, which is a tough record, man. That's a Absolutely. tough record. That's a mean record. I yeah. love it. But it just didn't translate, apparently. Yeah. Now, fast forward 30 years. So I'm still upset that I had missed that show for, for 30 years. Now Sebastian Bach is out. He is uh, performing the whole record from start to finish on his own. And he's coming to Fort Wayne. And I am stoked. I'm like, I'm finally, I'm actually going to at least see this record performed live and with, with, with Bass heading it up. So we had gone, you and I went to Chicago to see Genesis on a uh, Tuesday night or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, I think it was so a Tuesday. Was. The next night, I actually had a game to call. So Thursday was the night of the show, and I'm excited. But I woke up, and I was sick. I, I couldn't. It's like, and this was still, we're still COVID adjacent at this point. And I'm like, I can't go. I just can't, you know, I can't, I can't risk it. I can't, you know, just do the right thing. So I had to eat those oh, tickets. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, and they played all 13 songs. I know this, Not Jason. Not 12. They played, because they, uh, the, the version of it that I own is got Get the <laughs> Out, right? Uh, and that was replaced on the one I could have bought that day yeah. with Beggar's Day. Yeah. And I just wasn't playing that game. Like, I've, I, I make $4 an hour. The CD's 16 bucks. <laughs> That's four hours of work. 
That's one yeah. tenth of my entire week's pay. I can't drop it on two. You know, it'd be two tenths. It'd be one fifth of my pay if I wanted to buy both of them. It's like, nope, I'm buying the one you're not letting me buy. <laughs> just out of spite, you know, and metal. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me. Uh, so I didn't even hear Beggar's Day until about five years ago. Really? Nope. I'd never yeah. even heard it. Yeah. So I'm still still upset about that, that I had missed that show and still hoping that he could. I, I want to tell you that you didn't miss anything, yeah. but you really missed but it. But I know I missed show. it. It really was awesome. It was awesome. Because it's the first time I had uh, ever heard a lot of those songs as yeah. well. I never got to see Skid Row. Yeah. I saw, Seba- I saw Sebastian, Pantera, Anthrax in... 95, whatever year that tour was. Yeah. Um, and Sebastian's guitar player is like seven feet tall and green sequins <laughs> with wings out, you know, 10 feet or whatever. He's ridiculous looking. Um, and they sang some, you know, it was only 25 minutes, so he didn't get a whole lot of time. He came out and did bam, 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 and left. But seeing him at, you know, at that show where he did All of Slave yeah. plus others, it was like 16, 20 songs. Yeah. It's a good night. And Sebastian still got it going, man. He still sounds good. He looks, he looks like a person who saw Sebastian in a video and then was blinded with acid and then had to draw a picture of Sebastian. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He still sounds okay. <laughs> he sounds great, but he looks, I mean, think of what well, he looked like in 1990. Right. Yeah. He yeah. was a pretty man. Yeah. He was gorgeous. You look at him now, he's like, man, Jack Daniels, right. dude, right. calm down. <laughs> Slow down, man. You know, because there's some of those other yeah. pretty guys, you know, they, yeah. they were able to hold on, you know, they can, they can still yeah. look halfway decent. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sebastian but, looked like he liked some hard alcohol. It, and that's where 92 right there, I think, is kind of like, and this is where the gap of my metalheadness began, because look what comes into fray. It is it is grunge, and I'm I'm all in at this point, you know. So a lot of those metal bands, well, I've stopped, okay, Joey Belladonna leaves, leaves Anthrax, you know, uh, John Bush comes in, terrific singer, but I protested. I'm like, that <laughs> is not Anthrax. I refuse to listen to this record, and now Sound of White Noise. It probably took me a decade to listen to it. It's one of my favorite records now of Anthrax <laughs> of all time, but at that moment, I'm like, no, nah, you know, this is done. Bruce Dickinson is gone. He's out. Adrian Smith, they've left uh, Iron Maiden. Metal is dead to me at this point. I have moved on. So this is where that gap, like the entire 90s, I'm like, but yet Dio is putting out these these tremendous records. I had no idea that was going on until years later when I when I right. rediscover them. So it wasn't until, not, I wouldn't even say new metal came around because a lot of that I hated, but System of a Down was a band that I immediately, like, this is so weird and cool. And I'm like, it's kind of, I... It's it almost harkened me back to to when I was a kid and listening to those the records like this is weird this is this makes me feel funny it's scary and but it's still <laughs> really cool and I'm you know a thirty year old person at this point you know and so so that kind of sparked it a little bit but really not until I remember now the documentaries are coming out about these bands so, so I remember seeing Flight Six 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 I think in in two thousand six like oh, okay I need to start listening to Iron Maiden again and I remember. And then Sam Dunn's Metal Evolution comes out the whole whatever eight parts it was. I remember watching that. And it's like, now I am reinvested because, oh, I need to go back and listen to all the stuff I have skipped over, just flat out ignored. So now I'm back all in since around 2011. (laughs) Well, there you go, man. Hey, at least you got back in. At least you got back in. I, um... I, I stayed true. I did throughout the '90s. I uh, kept buying the CDs and driving well, and, and all and over. Streaming, all we talked about that. That helped because now I could access everything. When when Amazon Prime and I put my ten dollars a month in whatever that year that was, where you can get unlimited everything. Now it's really open because I really don't. Ha- I don't have to go buy anything. Everything is at my fingertips, and and then YouTube, and then you can actually go back and see all the videos and that. So yeah, yeah. 
YouTube invented for one reason. A guy that created it was upset at how hard it was to find Janet Jackson's nipple. <laughs> he, he's like, how do I have to look so hard to find Janet Jackson's nipple? I need to find a place that I can put it. And boom, YouTube. I have YouTube television. You know what I mean? Yeah. At my home. That's my cable yeah. right? or streamer at this right. point, right? Right. So it's incredible. And that's 15 years on or whatever, however, yeah. whatever year that was. You know, a 40 year old woman's nipple wrecked everything. <laughs> it's <was> crazy. <laughs> And with that, that's our that's uh, show number two. I think that's a, a pretty uh, high point too. Yeah, I like that. Janet yeah. Jackson's nipple. Yeah, there we go. Okay, stop saying it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> show number two is in the books. Thanks everyone for listening again. If you have got a cool origin story or any type of story that revolves around heavy metal, please feel free to share it on uh, Twitter. It's uh, House of Loud Pod on Twitter and also House of uh, Loud Pod at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out. Maybe we'll have you on the show because. Uh, I'm not sure if we can come up with enough material to keep this going, but I'm sure we can for a while. So appreciate you listening. Uh, Jason, thanks for co-hosting. Thank you, Shane. Stay heavy.